Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 here in Chicago with a very powerful, life-changing podcast for you and for me. I just talk about the things that I need to hear and express them to everyone else, okay? We are working on ourselves, becoming greater people, greater Jews together. Before we do anything else, today, Monday, September 19th, is a very famous day in world history because a certain amount of years ago, which shall remain unnamed specifically, my mother was born. Yes, Ladies and gentlemen, as she's known, Grammy Garfinkel, and now Great Grammy Garfinkel, as I have become a grandfather. <laughs> okay, about a year ago. Anyway, mom, happy birthday. And I can always count on my mom telling me how much she loves money motivation. She is my main feedback, most reliable every week, telling me how great the podcast is. Wow. Everyone should have as big a fan as my mom. All right, so mom, happy birthday. And yes, here it goes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear mom and Grammy and great Grammy. Happy birthday to you. All right, and all of the Monday Motivation with Rabbi Garfinkel podcast listeners around the world, literally, Join in wishing you a very, very happy birthday. All right. So that's number one. Happy birthday, Mom. Number two. All right. Subscribe. We are getting some great traction with the podcast. But really, uh, from what I have heard from all the experts, we need people to subscribe. Not just, you know, click on it when you see it on Facebook or when you see it on LinkedIn or any other social media channels to actually subscribe. So do me a favor. Subscribe and get your friends and your neighbors and all of the wonderful Jewish people in your network to subscribe. That would be amazing. All right. Next order of business. What a Shabbaton. Unbelievable. We we, we were bigger than our home. We, we literally had to go outdoors. It was incredible. We were on the basketball court in our backyard. Thank you to the Dimbert family for allowing us to use your basketball court. And we had over 32 Jewish young professionals come to West Rogers Park for shops. It was incredible, absolutely incredible, unbelievable, and super excited for all the things. Everyone had an amazing time, and it was just unbelievable. Okay, that's what's going on. And now, what I'd like to do, here's the plan. We're going to finish up with one more story that I did not include in last week's podcast, and I can't believe I didn't include it because it was so good, so I have to start with that. And then we're going to go into Elul, Elul is the month that we're in, and we're going to talk about developing our potential and dreaming big, okay? And time permitting, we might even get into the nuts and bolts of Teshuvah, of how we not repent, but how we return. Okay, so that's the Ofek, as we say in Hebrew. That's the vision for the horizon for what we have coming up. All right, fast your seatbelts. So last week, we talked about Lady J who was the chief Rebbitzin of England with 
along with her husband, the chief rabbi of England, Lord Emmanuel Jacobovitz. And we spoke last week about how Lady J was uh, a little French girl who um, was was saved by a non-Jewish French farmer, and she was... Um, you know, in the Holocaust and avoided it because of this righteous Gentile. And she was in a cellar with five total, four other young Jewish children, and they made a Passover. It was incredible Passover in 1941 and was able to survive the war. Okay, so she married her husband and and he rose to prominence. He was a a big Talmud Chacham, a a tremendous scholar. And... um, they, you know, Queen Elizabeth had a, a real affinity to the Jacobovitzes and said that Rabbi Jacobovitz was her favorite clergy. Now, I know later on she was very close with the next rabbi, chief rabbi, um, I don't know if it was the exact next one, but a later one, Rabbi Sachs of blessed memory. But nevertheless, um, at the time, Rabbi Jacobovitz was number one. And here's what happens. Because Queen Elizabeth was so taken with Lord and Lady Jacobovitz, she invited them both to a few days of vacationing in Windsor Castle, which is like unbelievable. Like, let's spend private time with the queen. And they they get, I remember she telling us a story. It was crazy. I heard it from her directly. And she said that there were specific messengers that came to their door and delivered the fanciest golden boss uh, invitation here, we'd say golden boss, you know, fake. I, there might have been real golden. I don't know. I can't verify. But you could imagine if you were getting a personal invitation from the Queen of England, you can imagine how fancy it was. But there was a problem. The Queen, or at least the Queen staff, didn't do the checking on the dates. And guess what date she invited them for? For Passover. Oi, fey. So what are you going to tell the Queen? You know, Lizzie, really? Thanks so much. It really means a lot. But, you know, you can imagine how uncomfortable that discussion uh, could have been. But they decided that they needed to write back an official letter saying how just impressed and honored that they were that Queen Elizabeth had invited them person for a time. Um, but unfortunately, they would be unable to do those dates. They would love to reschedule a date for a different time. They got a massive apology from the Queen's office that they would have made such a gross blunder and error. And they arranged a date. I don't know, honestly, when it was, maybe the summertime, but basically uh, a, a time that was amenable for everyone's schedule. And they come out to Windsor Castle. And we talked a little bit about Windsor Castle. It is worth going to England to see Windsor Castle. Beautiful on the countryside. Just absolutely stunning. And they had a very busy schedule of, of, of social things and, and, and different events. And, and, and honestly, a lot of it, they said, was just chilling out with the Queen. And it was so unbelievable. Now, here's the next challenge of what happened in that visit. Is that... The, uh, Lord Jakovitz, the rabbi, said to the staff, you know, well, we we keep kosher. And unfortunately, we can't eat on the same plates. So the staff had understood that they needed kosher food and they arranged that there would be appropriate kosher certification, but they had not drilled down to the fact they needed new plates. So Lady J imagined that they would be at this, you know, 
you know, not a state dinner, but, you know, they weren't the only ones invited, but it was a, you know, dinner, dinner for 20, okay, and or whatever it was, and that she and her husband would be the only two with different silverware and different um, china. And she was worried about that. And then the queen's office told them, don't worry, we would, the queen would never distinguish you in any possible way for everyone else. And the queen has purchased an entire new set of china in order, in the same pattern as that which is going to be used for the banquets so that you will have the exact same cutlery and the exact same china. Now, I think that is very impressive. If we're notching levels of sensitivity to Queen Elizabeth, score one for the queen. That was very impressive. And they they had special stickers on the bottom to make sure, because if they look the same, how do you know? And they, under each of the fork and knife, etc., they had little stickers to indicate which ones were the kosher ones. So at this moment, and this is really the point of the story, um, is that the queen, uh, sorry, Lady J, thought to herself, she looked out and she saw that she was eating kosher food in Windsor Castle with her husband, who is the chief rabbi of all of the United Kingdom, as a personal guest of Queen Elizabeth. And she remembered the time when she was a little girl in a cellar fighting for her life. And tears came to her eyes and she said, she said, this little, little French Jewish girl who was worth nothing, who had blood on her head, who was, you know, on the chopping block if, if she would have been discovered, is now dining with royalty. And she thanked the Almighty that in her own lifetime she could have lived that unbelievable journey from fugitive to royal guest. And I remember her telling us that and just totally, totally blown away. Uh, the Psalms talk about themes like this. It's someone who's down in the trash heaps and is raised up to sit with the, with the nobility, with the nobles. And she was literally fulfilling the words of King David of the psalmist who talked about that. Okay, I thought that was just a special story I wanted to share. Okay, so now down to business. Elul. Elul. Elul is the name of the month before Rosh Hashanah. We are on, we're really at the end of Elul. We have one more week until Rosh Hashanah, which is going to be next Sunday night. And what is Elul? Now, okay, a little bit of background. Now, um, if you look up in any newspaper, it doesn't matter what your leanings are, which, you know, rag you like or which online uh, digital news content that you like, it doesn't matter. If you see a horoscope based on the constellations, then in those uh, <laughs> wonderful publications, you can be very confident that they are 100% wrong. And if anything comes true, it is sheer luck, okay? But that said, we do have a very amazing tradition that each of the 12 months reflects a major constellation. And what does it mean? It means, wow, big thunderstorm here in the middle of Monday Motivation. If you hear thunder, maybe it's just the content. Is thunder! Okay, maybe not. Okay, anyway, so we, we do believe that the Almighty sends His flow of blessing and of everything, how He interacts with the world through intermediaries. 
Now, they're not the source of that. This was a big mistake in how idol worship how initially came into being, that people started worshiping the pathways and not the original source. But Hashem sends each month has a different dynamic of how Hashem sends His energy to the world. And we can learn a lot about how to relate to Hashem and to God in each month based on what this Jewish astrological sign is. And there is overlap with what you'll see out there in the uh, publications. But let's get to the Torah thought. That this month of Elul is the Virgo. The Virgo. The Virgin. Now, okay. We we have to do some Money Motivation podcasts at some point about relationships and sexuality and all sorts of things like that. Needless to say, I am very confident that the Torah approach is much healthier and better than the secular approach. Sorry, guys. I work with young people. I see the destruction of people engaging in romantic relationships, and it's literally a um, devastation uh, when there are no rules and guidance about how to engage in those relationships. Okay, end of soapbox, coming back to motivation. Here we go. So the so what the reason I said that is because when we think of a virgin, you think of a Virgo, right? This is going to sound old and patriarchal, but it's true. Do you hear that thunder? It is crazy. Okay, I don't know if the microphone's picking it up. It is thundering, the Torah being said today. Here we go. What is a Virgo? A Virgo represents pure and endless potential. That is what a virgin is. It is someone who has saved herself to be totally pure and has endless potential for what? To give herself over to someone with a full and permanent commitment. That is the power of the Virgo, is that there is endless potential, endless ability to pass herself over to someone else to build something real. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what the month of Elul is. It is endless potential, endless potential, nuclear spiritual potential to become whoever I can be, the best version of myself, to dream big. Who am I? Who can I be? So often in life, we're stuck in a rut of work and life. And obviously, we need a routine and we need to plug away at life. And life is in the details. But do we ever step back and think, who am I? What is my mission in life? If I were not placed on planet Earth, what would be lacking? What is my ultimate potential? God made every one of us in Solomon Lokim in the in God's image, we are a spark of divinity, our neshama. We are a soul that is unlimited potential. And are we living up to that potential? That is what Elul is about. Elul is dreaming big. Who can I be? Who am I supposed to be? And now, let me give you a couple analogies of, of what this is like and why this is coming up to Rosh Hashanah. So in Elul, this time, this month before Rosh Hashanah, we're thinking and we're dreaming big about who we can be and, and how much we can become. And on Rosh Hashanah, we all know, right, the, the, the judgment for the year is penciled in 
on Rosh Hashanah and it's sealed on Yom Kippur. It's penciled in on Rosh Hashanah and it's penned in on Yom Kippur. We talked last week about everything is our money, our health, our wealth, world war, God forbid, world peace, everything is. And so what is the analogy? The analogy is wet cement. You know the kids that have the wet cement, right? And the, all they want to do is just stick their hand in it, right? Because the the year now coming up on Rosh Hashanah is wet cement. And we can impress upon the year anything we want. And it depends on our vision for ourselves. You know, in the biological realm, when a, when a child is conceived, there's something called a zygote. A zygote is when the genetic material from the Abba and the Ima, the, the father and the mother, come together and they create this zygote. At that moment, you could take a cell, as soon as it starts differentiating, to 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, etc. You could take, at a certain point, you could take any one of those cells right from the beginning and take it out and you could create an entire new entity because it has not yet differentiated. At a certain point, it differentiates and the cells eventually grow into an arm and a head and, and toes, etc. But right at the beginning of the year, there's endless potential. We see in the biological world this concept of endless potential. That's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is endless potential. We can make ourselves into our absolute best selves. Okay? And so therefore, once it's sealed on Yom Kippur, then what's the rest? The rest of the year is just developing in time. So this is a huge time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is the time to call your loved ones. This is the time to do all those things that you've wanted to do, but you've been held back. Why? Because this is the time to be our best selves. Now the rabbis put terms around this. They put um, terminologies around each of these things. It says the great rabbis of the Musr movement, of ethical improvement, talk about something called a tikkun and a yeyud. We'll start in the opposite order. The yeyud is your destiny. What skills do you have? These are questions that we all need to ask ourselves. What, are, what is my greatest skill? What is my greatest talent? What is my greatest character trait? What do I need to express to the world? This is what I like to call offense. What's my offense? What, not defense. What am I expressing to the world? Am I so bogged down in the details of my life that I have not expressed my greatness? But if we don't think about what our greatness is, how in the world can we express it? And then we're going to have zero points on the board. Okay? And then there's something called a tikkun. Everyone knows tikkun because of tikkun olam, which means fixing the world. And it's a similar idea over here, but tikkun means... Everyone has at least one major character trait to fix, one major character trait to express to the world, and one major character trait to fix. What what grinds my gears, as one of my young professionals taught me, a great expression, right? India, shout out to you, right? What grinds my gears? What what gets in my grill? What When are my buttons pushed? Those are the character traits that we need to work on. Okay, so that is called the defense, right? So we have offense and defense, and that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. And this whole process is called teshuvah. It is called repentance, and that's the wrong word because it's nothing to do with repenting in the Christian sense. It has everything to do with teshuvah, which means lashuv, which means to return. To return to what, you ask? Three things. To return to Hashem, to return 
to my relationship with others. And finally, to return to my relationship with myself. Okay? This is a golden opportunity. A new year and a new you. People think that they are bound. We are not bound. We can overcome those things which are in our way. Obviously, we believe that a life of Torah, a life of, of, of plugging into the divine program for our lives will help us on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly level to access that greatness. But it starts with looking in the mirror and looking hard and saying, who am I? Who can I be? Who should I be? I want to become that, this Rosh Hashanah. And with God's help, with God's help, we will become that person. God bless. Have an amazing, amazing week. And we will be off next week because of Rosh Hashanah itself. Hopefully back the following week. We cannot, we wish everyone a Kasiva Vechasima Tova, a good and sweet new year. You may be written and sealed in the books of life, you and your family and your friends. God bless. And we'll see you soon here on Monday Motivation.